One-Up Media. It's the morning of June 2nd, 1978, and what was about to unfold now would come to affect half a thousand lives in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure all Japan Airlines Flight 115, a Boeing model JA-8119, was on a routine journey along a familiar route, preparing to land at Itami Airport. As the aircraft approached runway 32 left, the tension that usually accompanies any landing was present, but routine. However, this landing was anything but routine. On its initial touchdown, the plane, piloted by an experienced crew, bounced heavily. A jarring deviation from the smooth landings passengers are accustomed to. In an attempt to correct the heavy bounce, the pilot executed a maneuver known as flaring, a technique where the nose of the aircraft is lifted, usually to reduce the descent rate and landing speed. However, this time, the flare was excessive. The aircraft's tail, not designed to make contact with the runway, struck the tarmac with severe force on the second touchdown. The tail strike, as it is known in aviation, was severe. It had cracked open the aft pressure bulkhead, a critical component of the aircraft structure. Emergency services at Itami Airport sprang into action as the aircraft came to a stop. Thankfully, there were no fatalities, but the incident wasn't without its casualties. Of the 394 people on board, 25 suffered injuries. Most were minor, but two of them were sent straight to the hospital. The aftermath of the incident saw the aircraft grounded. Technicians from Boeing, the aircraft's manufacturer, were called in for a thorough inspection and repair. The damage, particularly to the pressure bulkhead, was a serious concern. But after rigorous repair work, the aircraft was deemed airworthy and returned to service. Yet unbeknownst to anyone at the time, a crucial flaw remained that would set in motion a chain of events with far-reaching consequences. Seven years later, this same aircraft, along with its crew and passengers, would face a situation far more dire than an unsteady landing. A desperate battle for survival, airborne with no control, and with no means to make a safe landing. From One Up Media, this is Mass Murders. On August 12, 1985, Boeing 747-JA-8119 was en route as Flight 123. At 6.24pm, a sudden explosion rocked its tail. In a desperate bid, the crew decided to turn back to Haneda Airport. However, the explosion had caused a catastrophic loss of hydraulics, leaving the plane virtually uncontrollable. 
For the next harrowing 16 minutes, the cockpit crew struggled, flying without control over 7,000 meters above the ground. But just when it seemed that all was lost, a glimmer of hope emerged. They discovered a way to steer the plane using its engines. Gradually, they managed to make a clear rightward arc, setting their course towards Haneda. Yet unanswered questions hung heavily in the air. What had caused the loss of hydraulics? What was the nature of the explosion? And more critically, how would Flight 123 manage to land? As uncertainty loomed over both the flight crew and air traffic control, the situation aboard Flight 123 took a grave turn. Despite their best efforts, control of the aircraft began to falter again. The crew, likely impaired by hypoxia, struggled with coordination. This led to Flight 123 veering off course, descending into a state of chaotic and unpredictable motion. In the cabin of Flight 123, the crisis intensified. Most aircraft carry just 15 minutes of emergency oxygen, a usually ample supply. In typical decompression scenarios, pilots are trained to descend to below 3,000 meters swiftly, where oxygen-rich air is sufficient for breathing. This maneuver usually takes less than 15 minutes. However, Flight 123 faced an unusual challenge. Its uncontrolled roller coaster-like oscillations prevented a stable descent. By the time the cockpit crew managed to stabilize the aircraft's erratic movements, 16 critical minutes had elapsed, and the cabin's emergency oxygen supply was depleted. Immediately, the cabin crew sprang into action, quickly deploying reserve oxygen tanks and distributing life-saving breaths to passengers. As they worked diligently to reassure and assist the passengers, a pressing concern likely weighed heavily on everyone's mind. They needed to descend quickly. If they didn't, even the spare oxygen tanks would soon be exhausted. Back in the cockpit, the pilots made a crucial decision to deploy the landing gear mid-flight, hoping its drag would slow down the plane and stabilize its motion. Their strategy initially worked, as the plane's erratic pitching eased. But this came with a trade-off. The drag was too powerful, undermining the control they had gained from varying the engine power. While the plane's crew and passengers grappled with the gravity of their situation, Japan's flight control watched the ordeal unfold with alarming precision. On a digital board tracking real-time movements of all in-flight planes, they observed Flight 123 making a dramatic rightward turn looping over the town of Otsuki, then veering leftward. Simultaneously, the altimeter showed a rapid descent from 6,800 meters to 4,100 meters in under a minute. Despite the turmoil, flight control held on to a sliver of hope. At 4,000 meters, the thicker air could mean more oxygen for the crew, possibly restoring their cognitive abilities. And their hopes were not in vain. Aircraft black boxes, despite their misleading name, are bright orange devices that record cockpit audio and flight data. When simulated, they provide a vivid insight into the cockpit of Flight 123 from 6.45pm onwards. At first, the dialogue between the captain, first officer and engineer was disjointed, marked by repetitive phrases, a clear sign of their disorientation. However, 
In just a minute's time, their conversation took on a new level of lucidity. Amidst their now coherent discussions, a chilling realization emerged 33 seconds after 6.46 p.m. The captain voiced a dire thought. This may be hopeless. Japan Air Traffic Control, correlating the statement with the plane's trajectory, understood the gravity of the situation. Flight 123 was nearing Mount Mikuni, a peak rising 1,530 meters above sea level, while the plane itself had descended to about 2,100 meters. With a mere 700 meters separating them from the mountain's peak, Flight 123 found itself on the brink of disaster. It's now 6.48 p.m. A staggering 24 minutes has elapsed since the plane malfunctioned, and the flight crew made a decisive call. Engines at maximum power. It was their only hope to avoid the looming mountains ahead. But without control and a loss in hydraulics, the team opted for an intermittent power strategy. Full thrust, then a pause. This, however, reignited the violent oscillations of the plane, thrusting everyone into a frightening pattern of sharp climbs and dives. Desperate for stability, the captain ordered the deployment of the flaps. On an aircraft, flaps increase the wing surface area, generating more lift at a given speed. Adjusting the flaps was a strategic move for Flight 123, allowing for more controlled speed rather than relying on erratic engine thrusts. For six tense minutes, the crew experimented with flap extensions and speed adjustments. Yet the plane persistently rolled to the right. Unbeknownst to them, the engine thrust settings were uneven. The left side was higher than the right, creating an unbalanced force. Additionally, the flaps malfunctioned, not extending symmetrically. This lethal combination sent the plane veering sharply right and into a steep dive. In a frantic response, the crew retracted the flaps and increased engine power, hoping for a lift. Engine heat critical. However, the overlooked imbalance in the engine settings only exacerbated the situation, leading the plane into an uncontrollable dive. At 6.55 p.m., the proximity warning system activated. A minute later, the right engine collided with Mount Mikuni. This collision, loud enough to be recorded, caused a severe jolt and loss of engine thrust. The plane sharply rolled right and descended. Seconds later, its right wing struck a second ridge, likely severing the tail and scattering the remaining engines. The aircraft then flipped, 
crashed into another ridge near Mount Takamagahara and exploded. 747 went down in the mountains outside Tokyo. It is believed that all 524 people on board were killed. The wreckage of a jumbo jet can be seen scattered across the mountains. A specially configured 747 loaded with more than 500 people at the peak of one of Japan's most popular travel holidays. 50 bodies have been recovered and it now seems News of the crash spread quickly throughout Japan. The first responders were surprisingly members of the United States Air Force from nearby Yokota Air Base. They had been tracking the unfolding disaster and even offered their base for Flight 123's emergency landing. Immediately, a C-130 crew and a helicopter was deployed, ready for a search-and-rescue operation. But then, Japanese reluctance towards requesting foreign aid instructed the United States Air Force to stand down. Instead, a Japanese Self-Defense Force helicopter was dispatched with a singular goal, to assess the crash site for survivors. Hovering over the scene, where little of the plane remained, they radioed a grim update. There were no apparent survivors. Following this report, the JSDF decided to establish a base camp nearby and postpone a thorough site investigation until the next morning. Their mission was initially focused on managing the aftermath and reporting on the extent of the damage. As morning came and the team was approaching the site, they were met with an unexpected revelation. Amidst the wreckage, they discovered a survivor. Yumi Ochiai, an off-duty flight attendant. Remarkably, her injuries, though serious, were not life-threatening. Shortly after, another 12-year-old girl was discovered alive, injured in a nearby tree. This startling discovery forced the JSDF to acknowledge that their initial assessments were incorrect. There were survivors. In a frantic search, they located a total of four survivors, each with varying injuries. Among them, Yumi appeared to be the most lucid. In the days that followed, Yumi would provide a harrowing account of the events inside the cabin, and even more chillingly, of the moments following the crash. I heard harsh panting and gasping noises from many people. I hear it coming from everywhere, all around me. There was a boy crying, mother. I clearly heard a young woman saying, come quickly. Suddenly I hear a boy's voice. Okay, I'll hang on, he said. In the darkness, I could hear the sound of a helicopter. I couldn't see any light, but I could hear the sound and it was quite near too. We will be saved. I thought, and I waved frantically. But the helicopter went further away. Don't go, I waved desperately. Help! But it faded. I could no longer hear the voices of the boy or the young woman. Autopsy reports would later reveal a heartbreaking truth. More lives might have been saved had rescue operations commenced earlier. Despite the initial delay, the Japanese Self-Defense Force demonstrated remarkable efficiency 
in navigating the remote and treacherous crash site. They swiftly constructed helicopter pads and meticulously combed through the wreckage. While the search for survivors was paramount, the JSDF also had a second vital objective, to unravel the mystery of Flight 123's catastrophic fall from the sky. The harrowing 32-minute ordeal before the crash provided critical clues. The cockpit team had reported suspicions of the R5 doors being blown off, coinciding with the loss of hydraulics. The prevailing theory suggested that the R5 doors might have struck the tail, creating a breach and severing control. This hypothesis seemed to gain traction when a photograph taken by an amateur at 6.50pm showed the plane missing its entire vertical stabilizer. However, as the JSDF continued to clear the wreckage, they made a startling discovery that challenged this initial theory. Resting beside the mountain, they found the plane's hull, with door R5 still intact. The door hadn't been blown off, so what was the explosion felt at the rear of the cabin? In a race against time to piece together the puzzle, the investigation team meticulously assembled fragments of the wreckage. It was during this painstaking process that they stumbled upon a seemingly innocuous yet crucial piece of evidence. The bulkhead. The bulkhead, a dome-like structure at the plane's rear, is crucial for maintaining cabin pressure by separating the pressurized cabin from the non-pressurized tail. Seven years prior, this very plane had suffered a tail strike, damaging the bulkhead. The repair required two lines of large screws, also called rivets, for reinforcement. However, due to an oversight, only a single row was applied, significantly weakening the structure. This discovery brought clarity to the situation. It wasn't the R5 door that had caused the catastrophic failure. Instead, it was the compromised bulkhead. When it blew, it released pressurized air into the non-pressurized tail, tearing it apart. Subsequent tests revealed that the tail could not withstand more than 10,000 flights with just a single row of rivets. On that fateful day in 1985, the Boeing had logged 12,318 flights. Further investigations and simulations concluded that once the tail was destroyed, a safe landing was impossible. The fact that the cockpit crew kept the plane airborne for 32 minutes was nothing short of miraculous. In the aftermath, Hiro Tominaga, a senior JAL maintenance manager, and Susumu Tajima, the engineer who had inspected and cleared the aircraft, tragically took their own lives. The incident severely tarnished the public's perception of JAL their national carrier. Domestic passenger numbers plummeted by 33% following the crash, a more significant drop than what the US aviation industry experienced after 9-11. Passenger rates remained down by 25% for over a year. For JAL, which relied heavily on domestic travel, accounting for nearly half of their total passenger flights, the impact was devastating.
can be seen scattered across the mountains. A specially configured 747 loaded with more than 500 people at the peak of one of Japan's most popular travel holidays. 50 bodies have been recovered, and it now seems fairly certain that only four people survived the crash. They were in the rear of the plane. JAL Flight 123 remains one of the most heartbreaking tragedies in aviation history. Not just for its death toll, but for the prolonged, agonizing moments its passenger and crew faced as they descended towards their fate. When the aircraft descended to an altitude of 4,100 meters, it wasn't just the pilots who emerged from the clutches of hypoxia. Consciousness returned to the cabin crew and every passenger on board. In the ensuing 10 minutes, from regaining awareness to the moment of the crash, they were given time to reflect on their lives. This period evolved from hope to a somber acceptance that the crew had done all they could. It became a time of confronting death and expressing final thoughts and feelings. In those crucial minutes, many penned their thoughts, leaving behind words of love, regret, and farewell. Rescuers, amidst the grim task of recovering bodies, also found these last messages. Notes tucked into jackets, hidden in seats, or clutched tightly in the victim's hands. One such message, written in Japanese, comes from Hirotsuga Kawaguchi, a victim of the crash. Mariko, Tsuyoshi, Chiyoko. Be good to each other and work hard. Help your mother. It's sad, but I'm sure I won't make it. Please God, help me. To think that our dinner last night was the last time. The plane is turning around and descending rapidly. I am grateful for the truly happy life I have enjoyed. Until now. Murders is a one-up media original. A quick word on our reenactments and dramatizations. While we can't know exactly what they say, think, or feel at the moment, it is all based on research. This episode was executive produced by Guangjin, produced and written by Ethan Sam, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, with additional engineering by Ashley from One Up Media. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. 